Good morning. Are you dry yet? We had a little rain at our house yesterday. I'm assuming you did too. And Nashville broke a record yesterday, a 145-year-old record for rain total in February. Over 12 and a half inches so far in February, in case you want to know. Two days of sunshine, this being the third day of sunshine in February, so it's been wet. So um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be dry for the next couple of days, so get ready. And then it's going to rain for the next three days. And then maybe some more. We'll see. Hey, I'm in the book of Revelation again like we were last week. Revelation chapter 3. Uh, if you would like to join me there, Revelation chapter 3 and uh, verse 20. Revelation 3.20. And then we're going to go into uh, chapter 4 for a few verses as well. <coughs> Revelation chapter 3. Uh, Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To he who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, <coughs> just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now last week we talked about uh, the door being opened. And Christ wanted to come in and have a meal with us. And what I didn't explain last week, I'll explain this week and then move on, was there are three different words in Greek for meal. One of them is for breakfast, which basically would be nothing more than bread uh, dipped in wine. And that's how you started your day back in the day. Lunchtime would be any kind of snack you might could find, which might be fruit. Or perhaps someone may have baked uh, some bread and you went by and got some bread. But the main meal was uh, the supper meal or the dinner meal, depending on what part of the country you're from. And the, the main meal was a big meal. It was a feast. They would prepare everything you could eat and, and, and you would eat. And so that third word, the word for supper or dinner, the big meal, is the word that Jesus is using here when he says, I want to come in and eat with you. He wants to eat a big meal with you. Uh, Jesus will gladly eat a snack with you if that's all you have to offer him. Right? He'll, gladly, he'll gladly eat bread and wine with you as, uh, as we share it every Sunday here, the bread and the juice, right? Jesus will gladly do that. But he'd much rather have a meal with you because back in the day, they didn't have ovens like we have today, right? They didn't have dual ovens like we have today where you can cook something on the top and something on the bottom at the same time. That's pretty cool, right? Right, ladies? Right? 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 <clears throat> What's better is somebody else doing the cooking for you on that double oven, right? Right? Am I right? Amen? Or old me. So they didn't have that back in the day. So you might get one portion of the meal cooked and brought to you, and then it may take a, a while, another half hour, an hour for something else to cook and be brought to you just because they didn't have the conveniences we do. So the meal lasted a long time. It's kind of like meals in France. If you go to Paris and you go to one of the little bistros there and you're sitting out on the sidewalk eating, uh, it's amazing. In Paris, you can sit there and eat, and, and everybody just sits with everybody, whether they know you or not. And so one of the times Debbie and I were over there, we were sitting at a table that had four chairs, 
And this gentleman came up, and he sat in one chair beside me, and he put his dog in the other chair beside Debbie. <laughs> so the dog and the four of us had a meal together. I understood more of what the dog was saying than the man, <laughs> right? Kind of got that. But in, in Paris, the meals are very slow. They'll bring you out the first course, and, and then you talk for a while, and second course. And a meal may take an hour and a half or two hours over there. Of course, in America, we want it all out on the same plate at the same time. I want it to be done in 20 minutes and out the door, right? But it's, it's more of a time of, of fellowship and enjoying. Well, that's the kind of meal Jesus is talking about here. I, I don't want to rush in and have a, a snack, right? Uh, I want to rush in and have a meal. I want to walk in and have a meal with you and not be rushed in the process. And so that's what he's saying. If you'll open the door, I will come in to you and we'll have a meal together, a big meal together. And then he, then he shifts the gears and he says, and if you'll do this, if you'll allow me to come in, then you're going to get a throne room experience. You're going to get a throne room experience. Uh, you'll sit beside me on my throne as I've sat beside my father on his throne. And now we know that God doesn't need a throne to sit on, right? God's not flesh and blood like we are, although Jesus came and took on flesh and blood. It's called the incarnation. He took on flesh and blood. So we could live the life that we live so we could die for us and so we could understand him better and understand that he felt the things that we felt and we could relate to him right but god doesn't need a throne to sit on it's it's an image here but nonetheless we get a throne room experience is what he's saying to him who overcomes you'll have a throne room experience now there were at least seven people in the bible recorded that had a throne room experience i'm gonna give you the list because i know some of you take notes you'll go back and look this up micaiah micaiah was a prophet uh, of the lord and he uh, ahab ahab didn't like micaiah because ahab said everything you prophesy against me uh, with me is against me you never give me a good prophecy right now shouldn't that tell ahab something <laughs> right because ahab was married to jezebel we we know all about jezebel but Ahab did not lie to Micaiah. Matter of fact, he wanted him dead because he never gave him a good prophecy, right? And Jehoshaphat, the other king uh, at the time, he would always give him a good prophecy. So one day there was this battle ensuing, and they said, has anybody got a good word? And so they called 400 prophets of God together, and all the prophets were prophesying and carrying on, and, and it was all good. It was all good. Yeah, you go to battle, you're going you go, you're gonna to win. You're going to win. Go to battle, you're going to win. And, and uh, King Joseph had said, well, they're all saying the same thing. and We're going to win. And is, is there any other prophets left? <laughs> and it's, well, Micaiah's left. <laughs> he said, don't bring him in here. I don't want, he never says anything good about it. He brought him in here. And he said, say something good. So Micaiah said, you're going you're to win. <laughs> I, can just, I can just see it. Say something good. Okay, you're going to win. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's hilarious. We would do the same thing, wouldn't we? Just tell me something good. And then, Micaiah, and then Ahab said, well, I'll kill you if you don't tell me the truth. Okay, the truth is you're going to die. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear that either. <laughs> and so Ahab dresses up, and they go into the battle, and Ahab takes his uniform off, right? And tells Jehoshaphat, you wear your uniform. I'm not going to wear mine. I'm going to dress up because, you know, the object of war is to capture the king, yeah. right? And so uh, they go into battle, and Ahab's got his, you know, soldier outfit on but he's not dressed up and so the the people start chasing the guy looking like the king all dressed up right and they catch up to him and it's not ahab it's joseph they let him go and so this archer this 
this archer was standing there and said, I'm just going to shoot an arrow as far as I can into the crowd over there and see what it is. <laughs> so he ran back and let it go, and sure enough, it got Ahab, right? Right between his armor. And uh, he died later on that day. Um, so Micaiah was right, right? But he told Ahab, he says, I saw the throne of God, and God spoke to me. And this is what I saw in the throne room experience. This is what God told me. The 400 other prophets had missed it. They had not had a throne room experience. They had an experience of wanting to please a man, a king, and not please God with the truth. Right? So Micaiah had a throne room experience, and he saw reality. He saw the truth. He saw the future, and he prophesied it, and, and he was right. Then there was Isaiah chapter 6, right? Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled all the temple. And I saw these seraphim, you know, right? And they had wings and arms, and they were flying around, and they were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Beautiful. And then I said, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, sinful people. And this seraphim came and took a coal out of the fire and came and touched my lips, signifying cleansing and healing. And I looked and said, Woe is me, woe is me. Here am I, send me, Lord. And God said, okay, I got a job for you. You see, in throne room experiences, we, we get all kind of things. And then Isaiah got an assignment to go to the nation of Israel and give them a word. Then there was Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I have a grandson named Ezekiel. He looked up and saw a throne, and it looked like a sapphire. It was gorgeous. It was brilliant. It was shining. Then there was Daniel. I also have a son named Daniel. Daniel looked up, and when he saw, his description was, he's the ancient of days. The ancient of days. Who was and is and is to come. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Right? That's what Daniel saw. Stephen, when they were stoning him, looked up, and heaven's open, and he saw the throne room, and he saw Jesus standing at attention. Standing while he was being stoned to death. Jesus was honoring him. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm sorry this is how your life is ending, but well done, thou good and faithful servant. And Stephen saw that, saw the glory of the Lord. Paul had a throne room experience of some kind. Paul said, I know a man. I know a man who went into the third heaven and saw things that I can't even talk about. We, we don't know what he saw. But he experienced something there. The third heaven. And then there was John. In the book of Revelation that we read. Where he says, I looked and I saw a throne. Look what it says. Chapter 4 verse 1. And after this I looked and there before me was a door. Standing open in heaven. And the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit. Hey, that's a good place to be, folks. Good place to be is in the spirit at once, right? Not five years from now, not a week from now. Now, at once I was in the spirit, right? And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Hmm. I wonder who that could be, right? Someone was sitting on it. 
And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian and a rainbow resembling an emerald circled his throne. Jasper represents majesty. Carnelian represents judgment. Let me say that again. In French, you ready? <laughs> Jasper represents majesty, right? Carnelian represents judgment. Jasper was probably diamond, the, probably the <coughs> stone diamond that we call diamond today, right? Had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and a rainbow resembling an emerald circled his throne. I wonder what emerald represents. You want to know? You want to know? You want me to tell you? You sure? Positive. The color emerald represents peace, healing, and life. The throne. The throne. The rainbow around the throne represents peace and healing and life. God says, when you come to my throne room, there's mercy, there's judgment, but there's peace and healing and life. When you stand before Almighty God, before his throne, he offers that to us. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. Now, that's people over 65, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Unless you go to IHOP, and then it's over 60. <laughs> then you get a discount. Every Tuesday and Thursday night, by the way, you can get to order from the, from the, the elders menu. Brenda, you're not anywhere close to 60, so I'm sorry. But I get to still get the free pie on Wednesdays. Free pie on Wednesdays at Old Charlie's. Free pie on Charlie's Wednesdays. That's the same thing as pancakes. It's a little more filling, right? Okay. I digress. There's 24 elders, right? And says, they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne, seven lamps were blazing, and these are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Now, what were these 24 elders doing? Why 24? Why not 20? Why not 23? Why not 17? I like 17. It's a good number. It's like my favorite number. Why not 17? Why 24? Well, possibly it represented the 12 tribes of Israel plus the 12 apostles. That equals 24, right? 12 plus 12 equals 24, right, Taylor? Am I, am I good there? Thank you. How many time zones are there around the world? Lord says it's 24. Anybody agree with him? Wait, wait. I see a hand up in the back. Yes, ma'am. Do you agree with Lord? No? Put the hand back down. Okay. How many time zones are there around the world? This is fun stuff, folks. This is great facts. You won't learn this anywhere else in Smyrna today. I see that hand. Yes, sir. 24. Bingo. You get an A+. plus. You get to go to Papa's house today. All right. There are 24 time zones. Perhaps the 24 represent each time zone. Right? That's, that's possible. But there's 24 of them. They each have thrones, and they have a responsibility. And the center around the throne were four, li oh, let's back up. There's seven spirits that surround the throne. There's all kind of, there's all kind of creatures that God has made. There are, there are dozens of them. That, I know I've gone over that before here, but there, there are dozens of them that we don't have a clue what they are, what they do. 
we have a few descriptions, but here there are seven spirits. Now, some people have said this is seven ways the Holy Spirit represents himself. It's kind of and it's taken from Isaiah chapter 11, but there's only six in Isaiah chapter 11. There's seven here, so it can't be that. I think these are seven distinct spirits that are different from anything that we know of, and they're surrounding the throne. And then this next verse, it says, in the center around the throne, there are four living creatures, and they cover their eyes in front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third was, had the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Isn't that what, we heard? Isn't that what Isaiah heard? So look at this. Old Testament is saying the same thing New Testament is. That's why both Testaments are important to learn from. Right? The Old Testament... Uh, helps us understand the New Testament better. And both Isaiah and John saw the same thing, separated thousands of years apart, and they heard the same thing being sung. That's great, isn't it? Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lived forever and ever, then the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and then they sing a song also, or say words. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Wow. Does that include you? Are you a created being? Are you? And God created you, so does God create junk? Oops. So that means you're wonderful, right? All right, tell yourself, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Tell yourself, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Say it. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we talk about fortitude here at this church. F-O-U-R, fortitude, four things. Love God, love yourself, love others, and love creation, right? The loving self is the one we have a problem with a lot. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. I was sharing this concept with him uh, several months <coughs> Well, it's last year. He said, Jim, I don't, I don't know if I go along with that love yourself thing. He said, I've always heard you deny yourself. I said, that's true. That's, but both of those are truths. Opposite side of the same coin. He said, I don't know how I love myself. I said, then say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. <coughs> he said, I don't know if I can say that. I said, scripture. God made you. You've got to tell, you've got to tell the truth. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I would say to myself, I'm all that and then some. Right? <laughs> right? Right? I'm all that and then some. Come on now, work with me. <laughs> work with me here. The way you love yourself is to admit that you're a created being. God created you in an amazing way. Absolutely amazing way. So, you are worthy, our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and had their being. Colossians 1 over there, 16, 17, talks about God created everything, right? And he created it for himself. Right? Jesus was a part of creating uh, what we know of as the universe. The, the billions of stars and the billions of galaxies and the billions of galaxies and include billions of stars, and he created all that. Hey, did you know there's a star called Betelgeuse? 
my grandchildren were studying this week in homeschool. How big is Betelgeuse? Do you remember this, how, how big it was? It's a super giant star. It's a what? It's a lot bigger than our sun. And what is our sun? Is a medium? Less than medium sun. So there's a long way to go from less than medium to super giant. Right? <laughs> right? Right? It's called Betelgeuse, right? Isn't that a crazy name? It is a crazy name. God created it. I don't think he created the name, but he certainly created the, the star, right? This is a throne room experience. I've had this dream for years, probably going on 14 years now, that a church would, uh, and the people in the church would come together and act out a throne room experience just like this. That we would dress up and they would have costumes made and four creature costumes that would be pretty cool with eyeballs all over them <laughs> we, we wouldn't use real eyeballs lord sorry don't, don't get scared a peacock right exactly right but i just think that'd be amazing to act out that as a body of believers wouldn't it 24 elders falling down putting their crowns at, at, at the throne of god do you know every time we gather and worship together whether it's with word with music or not with music or do you know we're participating in a throne room experience? Yes. Because why? Because we're already seated there. It says in Ephesians that we are already seated with Christ. So he's here. We're there too in the spirit realm. I know that's kind of weird, but we are. We're both here and there in the spirit. And so when this is going on, we're there. And when this is going on, we're there. We're engaged with it. So as I was thinking this week about this passage, something struck me that I've never seen before. It's just really, really powerful. It just made me stop. Just came to a complete stop today when, when, I, when I discovered this. Let's go back to chapter 4, verse 1 here. It says, And I looked up and saw, and there was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard speaking to me said, Come up here, and I will show you what, what must take place. <coughs> When I connect 3.20, Revelation 3.20, to chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 here, you know what I discovered? I discovered that when I open the door and let Christ come into my house, he returns the favor. When I say, come into my house, he said, this is great, I'll come in. And after we've had supper, he said, why don't you come visit my house? John said, after this, I saw a door in heaven open. Jesus says, come visit me. Second thing I notice about this is when you invite Jesus to eat with you, he returns the favor. <laughs> when you invite him in and you fix what you have, what little you have for the king of kings and lord of lords majesty on high and you prepare it before him and you go through all the trouble to prepare and you you do it with all of your heart god this is this is all i've got to offer you for for a meal and maybe it's just salting crackers and vienna sausage maybe that's all you've got jesus will sit there and eat with you <coughs> and then when he finishes he says why don't you come to my house and eat and i'll fix you something 
I'll fix you a meal. <laughs> Living bread, running water. I'll fix you a meal. Come eat from my table. And so we enter into his house. And he's got a table spread that we can't even imagine. This, this love, this joy, this mercy, this peace, this patience, this kindness. This, it's just overflowing all over the table in vibrant colors and sounds and tastes. And he says, eat until you're full. And we eat and we eat and we eat and we never get full, but we're always satisfied with what he has to offer. Would you like seconds? And then he looks at Brendan and says, Brendan, it's free pie Wednesday. <laughs> what kind would you like? And he prepares a pie in the presence of your very enemies. He says, eat this now. Would you like more? Never full, but always satisfied with what he prepares for us. And then I thought about this. When Jesus invites you, into his house to have a con when you invite Jesus into your house to have a conversation, he listens to what you have to say. He listens intently. He remembers every word. He, he remembers every inflection in your voice and he hears every heart cry as you're speaking and you're talking to him. He listens and listens. He said, That's great. He said, Hey, let me invite you into my house and, and you can hear me share a conversation with you. I'm reminded of the psalmist Psalm, who wrote Psalm 73. And for the first 16 or 17 verses, he's bemoaning the rich people. The rich people. They got everything. They, their cars never break down. Their bodies never break down. They've always got all kind of money. They got all kind of cows and sheep and houses and barns. And everything goes great for them. Why is that? And he just goes on and on and on. Sounds like some of our politicians today, doesn't it? I won't name names. But around verse 17 or so, he says, And then when I entered the throne room of heaven, I understood the end of those people. That they're trusting in wealth to get them into heaven, and it's not going to happen. Nobody's money has ever bought them into heaven. And nobody ever going to heaven has ever taken their money with them. There's a 100% chance that you won't take a dime with you when you go to heaven. 100% chance of death and 100% chance of, that you won't take anything with you. The only thing that will be waiting on you is what you've sent ahead. You've heard the joke of the gentleman that died and went to heaven and he met Peter at the gate, right? And Peter was going to take him to his house, his mansion. And so they're walking down the street, and the houses are humongous close to the gate, right? And the further away they get from the gate of heaven, the smaller the houses get to where they're getting down to shacks, and, you know, where they're down to log cabins, and then they're down to, you know, just lean-tos. And the guy keeps saying, is that mine? 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 And Peter says, no, yours is on further down the road. And they get down to the end of the road, and there's this lean-to with sticks. And the guy says, is that mine? Peter said, yeah. He said, I don't understand. Peter said, we did the best we could with what you sent ahead. Ouch. Right? When we have a conversation with God, we call it prayer. That's a good thing. 
pray. Tell God everything. Just pour it all out. He, he can handle it. But when we go into his throne room, it's time for him to have a conversation. And this conversation, if you notice in the scripture, he's, he's kind of quiet. It's all the other angels and everybody else singing around, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus' conversation is, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Come up here and I will show you. When you invite Jesus into your house for a conversation, he returns the favor. When you invite Jesus to come and live in your house forever, you know what? He returns the favor. Would you like, would you like to stay in my house forever? You can. Isn't that beautiful? Trust in me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll live with me forever. And then the last thing. When you invite Jesus into your house, you ready for this? Can you, can you handle this? You ready? When you invite Jesus into your house to see who you really are, he returns the favor. He invites you into his house so that you can see who he really is. Jesus wants you to, to discover who he really is. He's okay with you discovering who you are. You know, back in the 70s, we all had to find ourselves, right? Go in the bathroom, look in the mirror, there you are, right? And so... When we invite Jesus into our house to pour out our heart to him and say, this is my whole heart, this is who I am. Even the parts I don't know about. Jesus says, that's great. I want to invite you into my house so you can see who I really am. So you can see my heart of hearts. And his heart of hearts is, he was as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world for you. He appeared as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world for you. That's his heart. God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First Peter, Ezekiel, he says, do I delight in the death of the wicked? No, I don't. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He wants all men everywhere to come to repentance and be saved. That's his heart of hearts. And when you visit the throne room and see him for who he really is and see him for the way he really loves you and then see him for the way he really loves everybody else in the world, even the people right now you don't like, even the people right now you're not happy with, maybe there's people right now you absolutely hate and despise. Even those people Jesus Christ died for. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world for even those people. You see, there's somebody that loves the person you hate. And that's Jesus. He died for them just like he died for you. That's what we discover in the throne room of God. So let me invite you to open the door and let Jesus in. Okay? to have a conversation, to pry your heart to him, to have a meal with him. But then listen for him to say, come up here. There's a door open for you in my throne room. Come up here to my house. 
Let me show you something that maybe you've never seen before. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you that you loved us enough to send your only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Thank you, Father. I thank you that there is a door open in heaven always for us. And I pray this morning that we would see that door and that we would see you high and lifted up and that we would respond accordingly. Father, if we've been filled with pride and arrogance, if we've been filled with bitterness, pain, if we've been filled with regret and remorse, trials or tribulations, anger, frustration, asking why. Father, I just pray you would usher us into your throne room. Give us a different perspective on life, a different perspective on our situation, a different perspective on who you are. Father, we look for that throne room door right now. Father, we're going to take a meal in just a moment. Father, we invite you into our heart right now. (coughs) Symbolically, we invite you in to come have a meal with us. Come share and just cracker and the juice come share this with us Father and then we'll await the invitation to come share at your table in Jesus name we pray